Well, thank you all for joining today. Uh, here's another uh, direct connect with Archer. Uh, this is Mark Bromstead, Senior Vice President of Client Relationship here at Archer with Nick Weber and Brian Carr, both managing partners here at Archer. Hello, Nick. Hello, Brian. How are you guys doing today? Hey. Fantastic. Excellent. It's a beautiful fall day, so we're enjoying it. Still uh, 90 degrees in fall. We're still getting some extra summer here thanks to the smoke, but yeah. loving it. <laughs> yeah, same here. It's uh, pleasantly yellow outside thanks to the smoke, but uh, hopefully we're moving past it relatively soon. Um, today we want to talk a little bit about preparing for an audit. I, uh, I uh, think you guys have had a little experience preparing uh, your organizations and clients for audits. Yeah, once or twice. <laughs> Even had some experience preparing for an audit as an auditor. Ah, very yeah. good. There you go. What makes a, su a successful preparation? Uh, it's a loaded question. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think of all the audit preps we've done, I mean, various organizations, it's always different between organizations. But one of the biggest things is having the right people there and having, and I always harp on this, I harped on the last Direct Connect, but it's like having the executive support because if, uh, if the right people aren't supporting it, uh, it's not going to get traction. It's not going to get the people and the resources, you know, necessary, but biggest thing is having the right people involved. Um, a lot of times we see audit preps that go and it's, it's specific to perhaps a regulatory compliance group, not the actual SMEs. Um, you know, there is some benefit to that from the mechanics of an audit and coordinating, but, uh, if you're going to really truly do an audit prep, uh, this my view, one of the biggest things is having the right people involved. I'd go even a step farther and say, yeah, you got to have the right people. Uh, the next thing is they've all got to have the same message. Um, it seems pretty, pretty basic and simple, but I can't think of how many times yeah. I've seen where the rumor mill and the, the old telephone game that not everybody's singing from the same sheet of music by the time we start pulling people together. So that's probably the biggest coordination. It's basic, simple blocking and tackling, but it gets overlooked a lot of times. Yeah. So, do you do you see an, do you see a difference whether it's a regulatory agency doing an audit versus uh, internals or self audits? The prepper, in theory, the, the right answer is no. The real answer is yes. Um, yeah. And I'd say going mm -hmm. to when we do mock audits and work with clients, you have the the auditor hat versus the coaching hat, and a lot of times they switch pretty frequently when it's the more internal yeah. versus when it's the audit. There, there is no, they may say they're taking their auditor hat off. It, it's sewn on, it's stitched in like Brian's beard. It's yeah. woven through. Yep. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. Yeah. I, Nick's absolutely right. Yeah. The, the best answer is yes, but certainly, uh, it, it can vary. Um, you know, we have had some, some audit prep engagements that, that have are a little more focused on the logistical side of the audit of, of you know, scheduling and planning out site visits and some of those things, um, those can, those can look and feel a little different. Um, you know, by and large, most of the audit prep we do, uh, is, is pretty similar in nature where you're preparing the SMEs and all the group and getting everybody, you know, singing from that same sheet of music. Um, but yeah, certainly there, there can be some differences there, but we try and keep it, uh, yeah, as consistent as possible. Those audit, those audit preparations that you've been involved with, but wouldn't, would you agree that 
you've seen clients who that's really the first time they're taking up audit preparation is when they get notified of an audit versus maintaining uh, audit uh, readiness all year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and a lot of a lot of times it hasn't been their fault necessarily. They may have had a lot of turnover, you know, with a lot of their SMEs or other compliance folks. And so it really is their first time. Um, but there's certainly plenty of entities that we've come into that, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll wait until that notice of audit, uh, you know, to start really preparing, which in my opinion is way too late, uh, way, way too late to make any kind of significant adjustments. Um, at that point, it's, it's how much glitter can we apply to, uh, what you have, you know, to, to try and make it, make it pass muster long story about the glitter, but, um, <laughs> You know, that's, yeah, the audit prep activity should start well in advance of, of your notice of audit. Yeah, I, I'd echo that one. I think the, the strongest programs you've seen are where you have a an annual review at, at a minimum. Uh, that was one of the things I was really fortunate I fell in on at my previous employer as the security manager was the, the annual self-certification we had to send off to WEC. Internally, that was, we certified everything. So you had to go through all of your evidence, your RSAs had to be updated, uh, go through all your procedures, any updates that need to be made had to be done. Um, usually we kick that pro process off first work day of the year in January, and it had to be done by the end of February. The last work day of February was kind of our, our requirement. So we had two months dedicated as much as you could. We still had our, our full-time jobs, but that made it really helpful. Honestly, uh, a year and a half into that, when the compliance manager moved on to another position and, and I ended up being the compliance manager 60 days before the WEC auditors rolled on site. Um, that was the only reason I agreed to accept it. I put some conditions on it, but having that continuous um, check really set that up well um, and allowed us to go through. We Brian brought it, his bag of glitter along on that one, but he didn't need to sprinkle a ton of it on there. Um, but <laughs> came through pretty clean. Yep. Um, even with that that change, which I I don't know of anybody, any of the utilities who've gone through that issue where they've had to, the compliance manager, compliance leadership change between that notice of audit and the, the actual audit. Uh, but I can't imagine anybody doing it better you know, just because of the way she had set it up. That we were we were positioned for success. Um, I know we've got other clients who set us up. We do mock audits in the past. We've done them every year, usually around this time of year. Um, we'd come in and we'd mock audit, and it would be that continuous improvement. So the third one, when it was their actual audit, um, usually felt pretty easy. I think that's generally the way it was set up there was the one after the audit was kind of a fix it one. The middle one was the just, they wanted us to be mean, the, the meanest auditors we can think of, which is no fun, except for sometimes when it's fun. Um, and then prepping them for that audit so that their, their worst audit experience was their mock audit the year before their audit. We really put everybody through the meat grinder on that. And kind of the old, I think it was a patent thing. that was a, a gallon of sweat saves an ounce of blood or something. I'm pretty sure I butchered that one. I don't have my wall to look at, but mm -hmm. kind of taking that approach of making training harder than their hardest day ever. Uh, those yeah. are the ones who are really prepared and their well, audits are easy. I think, um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, very true. I, I think too, back to the timing aspect of it, um, the more time you can give yourself, the better. I mean, there's, there's changes and adjustments that need to be made. You go through any exercise or any type of mock audit or, or gap assessment, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's going to be action items that come out of that and you want to give yourself time 
to make those adjustments, to make those changes or corrections, whatever it is, and get them implemented, uh, you know, prior to your notice of audit. Um, as Nick mentioned, yeah, some clients were doing a gap assessment one year, we're doing a full mock audit the next year, and then come the third year when it's, if they're on the three-year cycle, you know, we're there for audit support, um, but they're just that continuous improvement. You, you catch different things at different times as audit approach changes. That's another X factor to it all is what's the current audit approach and some of those requirements. It, it can shift a bit. So uh, time time is not your friend when it comes to to the audit prep and waiting too long because um, you really paint yourself into a corner and, and allow yourself no room to uh, make any kind of course corrections or adjustments. Uh, so that's that's one big thing. Honestly, there's a good moral on this one is that you can be as prepared as you want for the audit and it still goes aside. Yeah. 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 We've lost our host on this. Uh, Mark was uh, hanging on for dear life, but it looks like his internet connection isn't. So Nick and I will, uh, we'll, we'll bring this one home, but um, you know, I talked about time, you know, time's not on your side. If you're waiting too long, uh, even, even during an audit, uh, you can see things go go crazy. Um, and hey, our host is back. Welcome back, Mark. We were Trying. just continuing on without you. That's probably the best way, best thing you could do right now. <laughs> All good. All good. Um, but even uh, you know, especially during during the actual audit itself. I mean, there's there's so much. There's a lot of dynamics that go on. Whether they're site visits, whether they're you know they're SME interviews, um, a lot of things that can that can affect kind of the, the, the tone and the progress of the audit as well. But one of the big things in audit prep, honestly, I think is one of the things I enjoy most, um, Nick alluded to it earlier about, uh, you know, being the, the hardest auditor, you know, practicing, you know, harder than you play. Uh, that's a, that's a huge deal. Getting your SMEs in the room, um, actually letting us grill them and letting us, you know, kind of turn the screws on and make them sweat a little bit and you know, get uncomfortable in, in a safe situation because um, there's we all know SMEs some of them really like to talk and other ones don't talk enough and so uh, there there's there's quite a bit of magic that happens in those interviews doing those mock audit interviews that that's honestly one of my, one of my favorites um, because there's so many different ways it can go and, and our job is to prepare you for for as many scenarios as we can and make it as uncomfortable as you can so that it's not as bad hopefully during the audit um, but yeah, there, <laughs> there's always the one guy you can't get to stop talking. Those are the fun ones because uh, they just keep going, keep going. So those interviews and the exercises—that's a great chance um, and that audit prep to really figure out who you can put in front of the auditors and who you need to restrain a little better. Uh, I know when again Brian came in and, and helped me out when I was still at the, my previous employer, we identified a couple who they just weren't allowed to talk to the auditors. We finally came back to the realization that. They were some of the smartest guys we had on the staff, but they just, anytime you put them in front of any authority figure, they just wilted or started talking way too much about things that need, didn't need to be brought up. Not that they were necessarily a violation or trying to hide anything. It was just going to open up a bunch of rabbit holes that by the time we ran it to ground was just going to cause a lot of headache for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, our staff, our support, the audit team, Nobody was going to be happy by the time we were done. So we said, you know what? You just kind of sit your back bench. If we have a question, we'll ask you via chat. And you can only yeah. use chat. Um, and also set up to where, like, particularly our SIP 7 was a challenge. Our SIP 7 and PRC 5 
because we had a big SME team. We said, all right, you are the point person on this. Every question goes through you. If you need something, then you will turn around and call on somebody else from our team, um, which actually I think the audit team was a little put off by that at first. But once they realized how much easier it made everybody's job and we weren't hiding anything, we were just trying to stay organized. Um, it went pretty well. But those are things that came out of doing those those interview prep sessions and that audit prep in general. Just figuring out who could do what. Yeah. And yeah, having, having the right amount of people, you know, in an audit. A lot of these interviews, obviously, the last couple of years have been virtual. But as we go back to in-person, um, you don't want the, uh, you don't want the cast of Ben-Hur, you know, in, in the audit room necessarily. Um, yeah, it's really figuring out that balance of who's supposed to be there and who needs to be there and who needs to be ready five, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I sat in some in-person interviews last spring on an audit, one of the first ones back. Um, and most of them were pretty good, but there were one or two where we probably had two to four too many people in there. Yeah. And I think some of the body language going at that point and people feeling like we needed to interject started to derail a bit. So those are things that when you do your tests and you do your prep, identify those pieces as well as how much is too much. Mm-hmm. Nick and Brian, the yeah. last thing I want to ask you guys about was on evidence packages as well. Um, Brian, you had, you kind of made mention of evidence in, in one of your answers is, uh, a little bit earlier. Um, you know, if you can't, what I've had a lot of former auditors tell me is if you can't prove it, you didn't do it anyway. So, um, you know, what, what words of wisdom would you give for folks on how to prepare your evidence and how to organize it? Yeah. Well, one of my, one of my favorite topics as well, besides the interview prep, but, um, Number one thing to think about in terms of evidence is a narrative is not evidence. Uh, a lot of folks want to craft these well-written narratives, whether it's in the RSA or, or you know, in, in some other form. Um, it has a lot of explanation and context, but in and of itself is not evidence. So don't get caught in that trap. Um, understand the auditors are really drilling down to, you know, proof that an event occurred. Um, you know, the, what does that evidence look like? So packaging that up with, with the end result in mind is, Hey, you know, we, we have a, I'll give you an example real quick is, you know, we have a work ticket that, that is closed showing, you know, a change occurred. Um, closure of that ticket. That's great. You know, it's generated from a system. It's, you know, automated in some, uh, in some cases, but also what other evidence, what other reports or, you know, outputs from systems do you have to support? what you're saying in this ticket, like this change occurred and, and it's done. Um, thinking about it in that context, it's not, it's not just enough to say, here's the end result. I always liken it to math class, uh, you know, in, in school is to get the answer is great, but this is show me your work. Um, and that's the performance side of this, it, that a lot of people really get wound around the axle. Um, they're like, hey, I provided you the answer and it might be the right answer. No question about it, but you can't show how you got there uh, and, and really hope that how you got there lines aligns with your procedure. Um, that's, that's a, you know, it's a big deal. If you can clearly demonstrate that and put all of that together in a cohesive story. And that's, you know, again, one of our strong suits really is coming up with that cohesive story to, to explain, here's how we, here's how we got to the right answer. So that's a big part. Nick, you got thoughts? I don't know how you went through all of that and you didn't drop your patented line on evidence. If you've ever sat in an interview with Brian and the evidence is right there, he will tell you we're in Missouri. This is the show me state. Yep. Even when you're in Colorado or yes. Wyoming or Montana, no matter where Washington, you are, it is Missouri. You got to show me. 
He, yep. he will teleport you to Missouri. Missouri. Um, <laughs> I'd also like to jump in and say the other piece that you said that uh, narrative isn't evidence. Oftentimes procedures aren't either. And that's another trap I see um, folks fall into is, oh, we've got a great procedure around this. Like, that's great. That is an excellent control. Um, in some cases, that is enough. But for most of the most standards um, in our space, in the infrastructure space in general, even going beyond SIP, it's about the performance. What did you do and what can you prove you did? Not what did you say you would do or how you would do it? What did you do? Again, coming back, that's what the evidence needs to really clearly get across. Then uh, the other thing when you're prepping for an audit is to go through that evidence objectively. Um, and that's honestly where I think we've provided some of our biggest benefit is it's not our baby. Generally speaking, when you bring in a consultant or a, a third party reviewer, we're looking at it objectively like an auditor would. And we, we can look at it and say, okay, there's not enough information here for me to determine that you did this or, Hey, you've got too much information. Let's scale this back. You're, you're getting close to one of the terms we use on the audit team, dump trucking. You're just backing the truck up and dumping it all out and saying, go find it. Um, yeah. For me as an auditor, that was the quickest way to make me start looking for a violation. If you dump truck me, I had to do extra work. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> it's, it's a bad day for everybody now. If I'm having a bad day, you're having a bad day. Um, so, but that's where having that, that fresh set of eyes. Um, one of the things I routinely saw in evidence um, as an auditor, and I still see it occasionally, is you just get so used to seeing it. It's kind of like the, the, thing, the piece of trash you walk by every day. Eventually, you quit noticing it. Um, yeah. Same thing or whatever that is, or that the piece that it's totally benign to you because you're seeing it every day. Whereas somebody comes in fresh and they go, huh, what's that? Or they say, yeah. you know, I don't have enough information here to pick this up and follow it. I know there's one utility from when I was an auditor. I'm pretty sure they created Nick Weber voodoo dolls after I came through. <laughs> um, but I looked at it and said, this is great. This is 98% perfect, but I can't follow it because I don't know where to go to find this. Yeah. And they hadn't documented it. it was honestly, it was, it was the hardest violation I've ever had to look at. It was kind of the, the old, for want of a nail, a battle was lost because without the nail through the shoe, without the shoe, the horse wasn't able without the horse, the rider wasn't going to battle. One person made the difference. That's really what this was. And it was just, it was, it was grueling. And it's it still, there are times it still bothers me that I had to write it, but I had to, because if, the uninformed person off the street who had a base of knowledge came in there and they didn't know that one piece of tribal knowledge, they couldn't follow it. Yeah. So those are the things that when you really start looking at it, step back and say, okay, if I didn't do this job every day, is there enough here for me to understand how to do it or that it was done? Sure. Yep. And that, that's really probably the biggest issue. I think we see in most audits when the regulators are there, even with mock audits, we get in there. We honestly believe in our heart of hearts. You did it. You did it right but you got to show it. And if you can't show it, yep. then the auditors have to write it up because as one of my, one of our clients right now loves to remind me, everybody has a boss. The auditors have a boss. Yeah. They have at the region, the regions have NERC, NERC has FERC, FERC has Congress. Congress has voters. Everybody has a boss. Yep. Very true. Well said. Wonderful. <clears throat> well, Nick and Brian, thank you for your time on this direct connect as adventurous as it was today. Thank you guys very much. You guys care. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Not only is Direct Connect available to listen to, you can also watch each episode on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Archer News Network. If you're interested in who we are and what we do, head on over to our website at archerint.com. That's archerint.com. 
You can also follow us on our social media platforms, Archer International on Facebook, Archer Energy Solutions LLC on LinkedIn, at Archer underscore INTL on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and check back every other week for brand new episodes.